Good morning. Um, so today's reading will be from um, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to have the church's Bible. It's on page 783. And please bear with me as we read through all the names in Jesus' genealogy. So the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Zalman, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse was Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam the father of Abijah. Abijah the father of Asa. Asa the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram. Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Ammon, Ammon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile of Babylon to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheatil, Sheatil the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations all in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good to see we've gotten a little bit more charismatic since I was last here from the kids' song. Uh, I haven't seen this much dancing and clapping here in a long time. Um, I, I leave, I go for two weeks and I come back and Um, no, it's really good to be back. Uh, I was away on a Christian Union uh, conference and on a sort of a mission trip. Um, and I must say, even even at NTE, singing with 2,000 people, uh, coming back here and singing with you guys um, has been a real joy this morning. Uh, and I have the privilege, as, uh, as Dave was saying, of starting us in a three-week series in the book of Matthew. Uh, and this is kind of in the lead up to Christmas. And coming up to Christmas as well, you guys might be trying to find good gift ideas. Is that that what's on people's minds at the moment? Good gift ideas? Uh, Well, look no further, I've got one for you. One I've seen advertised recently is from Ancestry.com. It's one of those DNA tests, an Ancestry DNA test. The sort where you give them a bit of saliva and they go away and do something with it in a lab, and they come back and they tell you interesting things about your heritage. Like, did you descend from mostly criminals or just some criminals? 
or maybe whether you're 17% French, so you really should attend the French congregation. Or maybe whether you're related to your neighbour. That's what I heard one person found out after doing their ancestry DNA test. But what I found really interesting, on this email I got from them, they used this line, it said, the gift that opens your world. It said, give someone the gift that helps them unlock their story. Give the gift that helps someone unlock their story. And save $40, it said as well. But I think whether we care about it or not, our history, where we come from, is a big part of our story. It's a big part of who we are. Like our heritage can make sense of who we are uh, and where we're headed. And so I was really happy that Ancestry.com sent me an email as I was preparing a talk on Matthew 1. Seemed very fitting. Uh, But here we're reading about Jesus' story. We're reading about Jesus' ancestry. And it might not be an $89 DNA test, but Matthew here is recording some very important things about Jesus. Uh, Let's have a look at this. So keep your Bibles open. We come to the story of Jesus. And I've chosen these words carefully. So if you look with me at verse 1, Matthew reads as such. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, often we think of this as sort of a small heading that introduces the genealogy that follows. That's That's what I used to think about this. But I think it's much bigger than that. I think this is actually a heading for the entire book of Matthew. Let me explain why I think that. Firstly, the first word we have in the Greek here is biblos, literally book. So Matthew starts by saying, the book. This is the book. And what's it about? Well, the next word is tricky, genesius. It's especially tricky for me because I haven't even studied Greek yet. Uh, But this word comes up elsewhere in the Bible. It comes up in Genesis. In fact, this is the word that the name of the book of Genesis is based on. It comes up in Genesis 2 verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And again in Genesis 5 verse 1. This is the written account of Adam's family line. So there that word is translated account. And it can also mean origin or source or even history. But here in our NIV translation in Matthew's Gospel, it's given the word genealogy. So I think what we should be thinking is, you know, Genesis begins with the accounts of the heavens and the earth and is followed by the histories of Adam and his descendants. This word account comes up all throughout Genesis. And so I think pulling this together for us, I think Matthew is making a bold statement. I think he's saying, I'm going to tell you a new story. You know the story of the heavens and the earth. You know the story of Adam and his line. Now listen up. Here is a story about the new Genesis, the new creation. This book is the story of Jesus the Messiah. Now, a common phrase I've been thinking about as I prepared this talk is how we use the words of a new chapter. Uh, it's kind of how we, you know, describe a different stage or, or a period in our lives. So for Kate and I, we're about to embark on a new chapter in our lives. We're heading to Sydney uh, in January to study at Bible College there. Uh, I'm not really sure what I'd call this chapter. 
you know, maybe something practical, chapter 10, Bible college. I, I don't know why it's chapter 10. You know, keep it simple. Or maybe something, you know, a bit better, new college, new friends, new town. Could work. Uh, or something edgier that makes no sense, like less is more. I don't know. But we do really love labelling stages of our lives. Many of you might be approaching new chapters in your lives, a new job, a new addition to your family, uh, or perhaps sad chapters, a loss, uh, maybe the loss of a friend or a loved one. And I think this is true of our dear church as well. A new and painful chapter has been with us uh, for a while now. But we see that time moves forward, chapters end, chapters begin. And so here we have the gospel according to Matthew at the start of the New Testament. And what does it declare to us? A new chapter has begun. A new story is upon us. The story of Jesus the Messiah. And I just want to pause a moment on this uh, because I think there's something subtle here that we can miss when we read the Gospels or perhaps when we read the Bible in general. Uh, And it's this. It's not about you. As you'll gladly notice, Matthew doesn't start us with, this is the story of Bryn, or this is the story of Dave. I think we can, often and unhelpfully, take a lot of the Bible and just read ourselves into everything, instantly. And I think what that means is when we get to something like a genealogy, we just go, this is weird. This just feels so pointless to us, right? It feels awkward and dated and irrelevant. We can say, you know, yeah, it's just not for me. I'm glad it's in the Bible and all, but it doesn't really speak to me like other parts. Well, I think that's because, actually, this isn't primarily about you. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the Bible is 100% true and significant and relevant for all of us. I think the truths of God, God's Word impact on every single part of in our entire lives. But here Matthew is telling us, This story isn't about you. It affects you, demands a response from you. But this story, this story is about Jesus, the Messiah. So as Matthew starts the story of Jesus, he gives us a genealogy. Uh, Thanks to Emma for pronouncing all those words really, all those names really well for us. So she's disappeared. Oh, moved. Uh... So he starts by giving us this genealogy. He gives us Jesus' backstory, so to speak. In verse 1 and throughout the rest of the passage, he points out crucial things about who Jesus is, I think. Uh, And let's have a look at them, starting with two other men mentioned in verse 1. You'll see it says, Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but actually the structure of the whole genealogy puts emphasis on those two individuals. It's kind of broken up into these chunks of 14 generations. Abraham to David, David to the exile, the exile to Jesus. And so in these 17 verses, uh, I think it's really clear that Matthew wants to point out the importance of Jesus being a descendant of David and of Abraham. And we're going to ask why. Well, firstly, let's look at David. David was the greatest of the kings of Israel, a mighty warrior prince. He was the one who sought after God's own heart. And remember, God made amazing promises to him. 
promises to establish an eternal kingdom with one of his offspring on the throne. From his own flesh and blood, it tells us in 2 Samuel 7. And so, Matthew is making it clear that Jesus is a son of David. And secondly, Abraham. Well, we remember with Abraham, who was one of the great patriarchs. He was the beginning of God's chosen people, people chosen and set apart by God. And God made great promises to Abraham as well. Promises of becoming a great nation, promises of offspring and land, promises of being greatly blessed and blessing the world through them. Uh, And we see that these promises were actually made to Abraham and to his offspring. Paul points out in his letter to the Galatians that this is actually singular, to one particular offspring, to whom will come the promises of God and through him to the world. And so Matthew is drawing our attention to some crucial details about Jesus, where he comes from matters. Why? Well, because God's promises to David and Abraham matter. And those promises find their fulfillment in this guy, in Jesus. As Matthew points out for us three times in this passage, in verse 1 and also verse 16 and 17 at the end, he brings us to this conclusion, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised king who will conquer the enemies of Israel and establish a never-ending kingdom. His backstory shows us this clearly. He is a true son of David. He is the true son of Abraham. He can fulfill the messianic expectations Israel had. Now, when I was studying at university, I moved out of home. Uh, I was studying music. Uh, I was living on a combination of savings, Centrelink, and my parents' generosity. Uh, But my money was going down and down. And I'd get the occasional paid gig or teaching job, but I had to sort of explore all my options. So I I looked to my uni for scholarships, as you do. Turns out there's actually 140 music scholarships alone at Melbourne Uni. So I was thinking, beauty, like, I'm going to get one of these for sure. But unfortunately, I started to see a lot of these were really specific to certain things. You had to be a violinist, or you had to be a first year, or you had to be exploring musical composition. And sadly, there wasn't many for percussionists. Who knew people are not so willing to throw money to fund percussionists? Wow, what a sad world. Uh, And then I find one. I find the one. The Ivy May Pendlebury Scholarship. Here we go. Awarded to music students of good character. Well, I'm good enough, surely. Check. Enrolled in any year level. Kind of doesn't even need to be said, surely. Able to demonstrate financial need. Check. And lastly, able to demonstrate membership to the Anglican Church. How good is that? I was thinking, this scholarship's made for me. I know a lot of people in the course. There's not many people going to Anglican churches here. And look, while that's a really silly example, I think what Matthew is doing is a little like that. He's kind of checking off the criteria for us. Son of David, check. Son of Abraham, check. Messiah, check. Saying, like, do you doubt that this Jesus is the one to whom all Scripture has been pointing? Well, I lay this before you, Jesus' backstory. That's what Matthew's saying to us. I present to you Jesus the Messiah, the book of the story of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
And now lastly, I want to point us to another story in this passage. Uh, Through this genealogy, you can see the story of Israel, of God's people, from Abraham all the way to Jesus. And there are many amazing things to see in this passage. I'm not sure if you noticed them uh, while it was being read out, but there are so many amazing things. There are men and there are women. There are people who trusted God and followed him. Think of the love and faithfulness of Boaz or King Josiah renewing the covenant with God, calling Judah back to obedience. And then there are those who turn from God to their own wicked ways. King Manasseh overturning the good reforms of his father or King Ahaz sacrificing even his own son to false gods. There are Jews and there are Gentiles, women like Ruth or Rahab, grafted and welcomed into God's people. And there are unlikely people throughout. Jacob, the younger brother, as with David. Mary, an unmarried virgin teenager. And you'll see too, if you know the stories behind the names, you'll see the highs and the lows of God's people. You have from slavery in Egypt to the inheritance of the promised land. You've got the, from the pinnacle of Solomon's temple all the way down to the pain and agony of the exile in Babylon. Seeing the bright hope of the return from exile. Zerubbabel, that was a name that came up for us in our Haggai series as well. But we see too that even at the end of all of this, at the end of the Old Testament, we have these incomplete fulfillment of God's promises. And so across this amazing history of God's people, ups and downs, all sorts of different things, here in this story, here arrives Jesus. Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, the son of Abraham. Jesus, the Messiah. All of Israel's eventful story has been leading, has been pointing to this. Pointing to Jesus, the climax of history. Now, studying music, uh, symphonies, all music has cli- like have climaxes in the songs. Movies use this, plot devices. A movie I really like uh, is The Matrix, and obviously that kind of rips off a lot of <laughs> theological themes like a spaceship called Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not entirely sure why. But uh, this kind of reminds me of the end, end of the first movie where you've got this sort of ongoing struggle, and then into this comes Neo, comes the one, and everything changes, right? The whole history of that has been building up to that moment. And I think in this story, this story of Jesus Messiah, Jesus isn't just some random plot device. I think he is the ultimate and true climax at the heart of history. This story of God's people has been working its way, has been pointing towards this moment which Matthew declares for us. And so I just want to end by asking, brothers and sisters, friends, do you know this story? Do you know Jesus' story? Do you know about this Messiah? Do you know who he is and what he came to do? Do you know about this king who came not to be served, but to serve, who died the death we deserve, in order to bring these promises made to Abraham, promises to David to bring them to us through faith. 
I think this is the greatest story ever told. We're going to hear about more about it in the next couple of weeks. And I want to ask you, how has Jesus' story affected your story? You might know this, you might intellectually understand it, you might have heard it before. It could be a, a good and encouraging Christmas tale for you. But I think the Bible calls us not just to recognize this story, but to actually put our trust and hope in the one who it's about. This Jesus, this Messiah. Or perhaps you know this story well. Perhaps you have come to trust in it. And it, but maybe it's a story that has come to be pushed to the fringes of your life, maybe just Sundays. You don't live in light of it. You don't respond in awe and amazement and worship. Uh, so I just want to encourage us to know this story, and if we do know it, to share it, to share it with others. This Christmas, to tell someone else about the story of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word. We thank you for the book of Matthew. We thank you that in it, it shows us Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to respond with a desire to know him and to trust him. We pray, Lord, that if we do already know him, that you'd give us a heart to share the news of Jesus the Messiah with others. And we pray, Father, as we continue in the book of Matthew, that you would help us to see that this is the greatest story ever told. Help us to see Jesus. Help us to trust in him. Uh, For Christ's sake. Amen.